are listening to Best Life After Cancer, Episode 9. Welcome to Best Life After Cancer. I'm so glad you're here. This is the podcast where cancer survivors and caregivers can get solutions and support to overcome the life challenges brought by their cancer diagnosis. If you are ready to release your fear, regain your joy, and reduce your risk, you're in the right place. I'm your host, Dr. Deborah Butzbach. Hello, my best lifers. I hope you are all doing really well today. It is such a stressful time in the world, and I especially have sympathy for all cancer patients these days. Regardless of color, between the pandemic and riots and all of the heightened emotions, it is a roller coaster for all people, and having cancer on top of that is just more challenging than it has been in the past. I am thinking about you and trying to find ways to make it a little easier for you. As I told you last week, I'm going to continue with the weight loss work today because I really think that managing weight is important from a survivorship perspective. Being overweight or obese is clearly linked to an overall increased risk of a cancer diagnosis, and we believe it also contributes to an increased risk of recurrence in some cancers. According to the research from the American Cancer Society, excess body weight is thought to be responsible for about 11% of cancers in women and about 5% of cancers in men in the United States, as well as about 7% of all cancer deaths. Being overweight or obese is clearly linked with an increased risk of many types of cancer, including breast cancer, especially in women postmenopause, colon and most other gastrointestinal cancers, endometrial cancer, which is cancer of the lining of the uterus, thyroid cancer, and others. The link to body weight is stronger for some cancers than for others. For example, excess body weight is thought to be a factor in more than half of all endometrial cancers. Excess body weight may affect cancer risk in a number of ways. It might increase cancer risk by affecting inflammation in the body or increasing levels of certain hormones such as insulin and estrogen, which can fuel cell growth. It also may increase other hormones that regulate cell growth, such as insulin-like growth factor 1, also known as IGF-1. These aren't something I think you need to remember. It's just to let you know that the body weight may affect cancer in many ways. Not only can reducing weight potentially affect cancer growth and proliferation, it reduces the risk of other medical conditions like heart disease, diabetes, hypertension, or high blood pressure. I see this as the most important factor for cancer patients because I really feel like we didn't do all this work to cure you from your cancer only to have you die from heart disease or complications of diabetes or hypertension soon after. Okay, so we know we need to do it. I don't think any of you are arguing with me on that point. The question is how. We went over hormones related to weight in podcast seven. This is such an important starting point because if you don't change your insulin levels, any weight loss you have may come back, sometimes with more than you had initially. We worked on the brain space aspect of this in episode eight with how to work on allowing urges. Today, we are going to talk a bit more about how to decide what your plan is, or how you want to eat for the rest of your life to maximize your health and well-being. I will help you decide exactly what you should and shouldn't be eating, along with other tips and tricks I have learned. What I would like to encourage you to do this week is create what we weight loss coaches call a food protocol. 
This is not a diet plan because the goal is not to get the weight off and go back to eating everything. Eating everything led you to being where you are today and going back to eating everything will mean you gain it back again. You have proof, likely multiple times of losing and gaining, that prove that what you have been doing just does not work. This time, we are working on losing weight safely, effectively, and for the last time. I really prefer to think that for years you were searching for what would work, and now you have found it, instead of the thought that you have failed so many diets before. This is a thought that will give you so much more traction and motivation. I have a great worksheet that will help you create your protocol, and I will include samples from my protocol for you to look at. You can email me at help at bestlifeaftercancer.com, and I will send it to you. So first, we need to decide how we will eat. I have told you about intermittent fasting. I think it is the best way to live and stay thin. My protocol says that I will eat for eight hours a day max. I can add breakfast and extend my window if we are on vacation with a plan for a very active day. For instance, if we are hiking and have a 15-mile hike planned, I will eat breakfast that day. My protocol does not say that I have to fast 24 hours on certain days, as I want the flexibility to decide on a weekly basis when and if that fits into my schedule for the week. I often choose to do a longer fast, but it is not on my protocol, which would make it a hard stop that I have to do it every week. I also have not chosen a specific time, but rather a window. You can choose whatever works for you, but what you write down is a contract you are making with yourself, so don't write it down if you don't want to do it permanently. You are going to start to work on following what you plan and gaining faith in yourself that you will do what you say. So for now, please don't write it on the protocol unless you are 100% committed to doing it for the long haul. Once you make a protocol, you will follow it for three weeks. After three weeks, you can make changes and rewrite it based on how you felt, whether you lost weight, and so on. During those three weeks, you are stuck with it, so put on there what you want to do. Next, you will need to decide what you will eat. To help you understand the conversation about food, I want to introduce the concept here of a joy eat. What that means is that once or twice a week, you can plan to eat one serving of any food that you want, even if it has flour and sugar, if you plan it 24 hours in advance. A joy eat is one serving of one food and must be planned 24 hours in advance. This is not a full meal free-for-all like Thanksgiving dinner. That is considered an exception meal. We will talk about that in an upcoming podcast. For the protocol, though, you need to decide what you will eat every day and also what you will drink. Is alcohol going to be on your daily plan? For a long time, it was for me, but I found that losing weight was really hard with it on my daily plan. Part of that was that I didn't follow my plan as well if I was drinking, and part of that was likely the sugar and wine making it harder to lose. I went to just having it on Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, and that it had to count as a joy eat if I wanted it on any other day. As you may recall, I have currently given it up for the entire month of June to see how that affects my weight. Back to setting up your protocol. You should take into account what foods satisfy you, taste good, and feel good in your body. For me, I hate liver, fennel, and okra, so they are not on my protocol because I know it will be something that if we cook it, I will hate it and I will have huge urges to eat off plan. I also have a dairy issue, 
Dairy from cows gives me horrible belly pain the next day. So even though I love it, it is not on my daily protocol, though goat cheese is fine and it is on my protocol. Cheese from a cow is something that I consider as a joy eat, taken with a triple dose of lactate, with full knowledge that I probably still won't feel great the next day. Honestly, if I could permanently give up pizza, maybe that would change, but the thought of life never having pizza again is just not sustainable for me, and I know I need to keep it on my allowed food list as a joy eat. If you are a vegetarian, your plan will not include meat and so on. My plan includes all proteins, including meat, fish, shellfish, eggs, and tofu. It includes all vegetables except okra and fennel and includes all fruit. I have olive oil, butter, avocado, alternative types of non-dairy butter, canola, sesame, and peanut oils on my plan. This doesn't mean I will not eat things made from other oils when I am out, but this is what I keep in our house. I have included a link on the Facebook page, Best Life After Cancer MD, to help you learn about oils and which are better health-wise. My protocol does allow things that are breaded and fried as a joy eat only because of the flour used to bread them. Many things like chicken nuggets are as much bread as nugget, so you need to take that into account. Many weight loss coaches say no fried food or chips, but on my protocol, I do allow french fries once a week or one serving of chips per week. What I decided when I made my protocol is that I wanted it to be a little easier, and I accepted that that would mean that it would take longer for me to lose the weight. That was just a thought I had about what protocol was right for me, and it led to me including some alcohol, chips, and french fries on a limited basis. What I am doing will not be a guaranteed win for you. There is no one-size-fits-all protocol. It is trial and error, taking things out that don't serve your body, and so on. I also keep a running list of things I have strong urges for. There are two reasons for this. I think it helps me think about what I really want for my joy eat for the next week. It also lets me see things that I really wanted in the moment that are often not what I ever choose for a joy eat when I plan ahead and really think about what will taste the best and give me the most enjoyment. I think this tends to help me in the moment know that the urge is really a thought error and not something I want to be putting into my body. So let's talk a little more about joy eats. As I told you, on normal weeks, I have one to two planned per week. Starting out the first month, you may want to skip them entirely or consider just a savory joy eat like pizza. Something very sweet may kickstart your urges again, possibly get you off plan. I chose to skip all joy eats. For the first six weeks, I was off of flour and sugar to make it as easy as possible for me to stay on plan. Once you get to where you are fat adapted, which is where your body will easily transition into using your body fat as fuel, these are better tolerated. I think it is wise to start out with one joy eat per week and do that for at least a few months before you move to two. I'm going to tell you about one of the challenges I had initially. My husband makes the best chocolate chip cookies on the planet. I mean, seriously, no purchased cookie is even close and no one else makes them as good. It was something that the thought of giving them up permanently was just crushingly heartbreaking for me. Whenever he made them, I would eat a spoonful of cookie dough and several cookies. I had to rein that in when I went on this plan. I asked him if he could limit the cookies to once a week, and he said no problem. What he couldn't do was commit ahead of time when he would make them. So, on my weekly protocol... I have one spoonful of cookie dough or one cookie on my plan every day, 
with a note that it can only be one time per week. I have planned ahead that I will eat one, and this is how I let him have the flexibility to make them when he wants, and me the option to have one, planned as it should be. Another thing that is on my protocol is one square of dark chocolate per day. It has to be at least 80%, and it has to be dark, not milk chocolate. It has been something that many coaches say is okay, and something that I use to signify that I am done eating for the day. My brain knows once it gets that, that the kitchen is officially closed. You may find that it helps for you to have a little smidgen of something sweet and may help you to stay on your plan as well. Once you make this plan, your brain in the moment will have a ton to say about it and will be asking for and then demanding things off the plan. Here is where you have to work on allowing the urges. Listing 100 urges in some form is helpful. You can use a jar with beads or write down 100 urges in a list, but track them and know that after 100, they will likely get much easier. There are two tips I have here to make it easier to follow your plan in the first weeks. First, when you give up carbs, your body needs calories from some source and you have to increase your fat to make that work out. It is amazing how a pat of butter on veggies makes them so much tastier and helps you to feel more satisfied. Full-fat salad dressing is not only okay, it is actually what I recommend, but you do need to look at what you are choosing to make sure there is not a lot of sugar in it. One with less chemicals and preservatives and good quality fat are going to taste amazing and fuel your body well. The second tip is to put more food than you think you need on your protocol for the first four to six weeks. This allows you to follow the plan and build accountability with yourself. It strengthens the bond between your past, present, and future selves. If you always plan a dry chicken breast and iceberg lettuce with just vinegar, your present self, when you go to eat it, is going to be like, oh, hell no. If you plan a lovely salad with lots of variety for taste and crunch, with a lovely piece of salmon or some shrimp, and you make it the night before and have the dressing waiting, your present self will think, thanks so much, past self. I will have that. It will happily eat it, and you will start to build that relationship back up. I admit, I fail on this still. My planning brain wants to be too strict ahead of time, and my in-the-moment brain gives it the finger. That is when I eat off plan, and then my future brain is sad that it is up a pound. It looks back and is mad at both my planning brain and my present brain. It knows that my planning brain was too strict, and my present brain didn't follow the plan. So put on things you will enjoy, plan ahead, make what you can ahead, and make it as easy as possible for the brain to follow the plan in the moment. Okay, now I'm going to tell you where I really struggle. I sometimes worry that telling you I struggle will make you not feel like I have all the answers, but guess what? I'm human too. I struggle too. Anyone who tells you they don't is likely BSing you. It's like the whole second opinion thing in cancer patients. Any doctor that is not confident enough to encourage a second opinion is likely not who you want to pick to treat you. I welcome my patients getting another opinion. 98% of the time, it confirms exactly what I told them. 2% of the time, they get an opinion I hadn't considered, and often they come back to ask me if it is something I could do for them. The same with coaching. I'm not going to tell you I have all the answers, and I'm not going to BS you. You can learn from my struggles as well as where I excel. So for me, 
For the longest time, vacations were my downfall. We travel often, and we travel exotically, and we often never go back to the same country again. I have had the thought all of my life that when you travel, you immerse yourself in the culture. You eat what they eat, you try their specialties, you drink what they drink. I also had the thought that I likely would never be back, so if I didn't try it then, I likely would never get to. I have had a massively hard time planning ahead for trips, and it led to me thinking I just couldn't plan on trips. Often, I would plan and be off the plan the first day, and then I would just crumple it up and throw it out for the remainder of the trip. I got coached on this multiple times. Finally, we came to a solution what is exactly what I told you to start with. Plan what you will do. So I do. I plan two meals on sedentary days and three meals on active days. I plan alcohol, more than I think I possibly will drink, one at lunch, two at dinner, one after dinner on the balcony, and so forth. I plan a joy eat every day, and I write that I will have it sometime during the day. Surprisingly, when I started doing that, I found that in the moment I often chose better because I didn't feel like it was off limits. I often chose eggs and protein for breakfast over a pastry because I know I will feel better hiking. I often choose meat and veggies over pasta at dinner because I know my joints will hurt the next day if I eat a ton of flour. If this is a struggle for you too, write what you can commit to. Once more planned instead of six on the fly. Three beers planned while fishing instead of a six pack. I also acknowledge that I will come back from vacation five to ten pounds heavier. I plan before the vacation what I will eat when we get back, which days I will fast, and how I will get back on plan immediately. With this, I have found that I really never spiral off plan after a vacation, which I think is really the most important thing. It also allows me to be true to my real self. I have long lived by the mantra that the world is a book, and people who spend their lives in one place only read one page. I honor that part of me that wants to go see the sights, interact with the people, eat the food, and see the best of what the current destination has to offer. Okay, friends, let's do a quick recap. You will email me at help at bestlifeaftercancer.com for me to send you a protocol sheet. You will figure out how many hours a day you want to eat, and you will decide what you want to eat. You will determine what your plan is in terms of alcohol, and when and if you want to introduce joy eats. You will work on allowing your urges when they come up and you don't want to eat what's on your protocol. You will work with yourself in being true to yourself to plan for vacations. All right, friends, that's what I have for you today. We are headed to the beach this week, so I wrote and recorded this ahead of time to make sure I get it to you. I will let you know how my plan went with the boardwalk and all of the treats available to me all week when we speak next. Thanks for listening to Best Life After Cancer. I would really appreciate it if you could write a review on Apple Podcasts. This allows other patients to find me more easily. You can also find more information on my Facebook page, Best Life After Cancer MD. On the Facebook page, there is a group for survivors and caregivers where you can ask questions or make suggestions for the podcast. I look forward to interacting with you there. Thanks so much for joining me today, and I look forward to speaking with you again soon. Thank you.